Welcome everyone to episode 210 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporik and today we're going to talk about some fan conduct or misconduct in certain cases. We're also going to say goodbye to Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, both of whom have been shut down for the year. And we're going to discuss the surging Rockets and if they are the biggest threat to the Warriors in the West. Before we get to all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd really appreciate it. And you can now find us on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius for co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, I did not like this intro, so obviously I'm banning you from the podcast <laughs> because that's what we do now, right? I guess. Good, yeah. Well, at least I didn't curse at you or say hurl any racial epithets at you. Yet. Yeah. The night is young. I, I was about to say yet. Damn it. <laughs> well, yeah, more. Let's let's get right into it because I feel like fan conduct has unfortunately been a big storyline over the past couple days. Uh, two very notable incidents. So mm. let's start with uh, Russell Westbrook and the Utah Jazz. At a game the other day, uh, a video came out during the game of Russ turning to a fan and saying, I'll F you up. And then saying he was going to harm the fan's wife or girlfriend or whatever as well, the woman sitting next to him. After the game, Westbrook said basically the fan said something racist toward him. Said like, you know, get on your knees or something like that. Um, Get on your knees like you're used to, which he, he considered completely disrespectful and racial. The fan said... He that he didn't say that. He said he told Westbrook to ice those knees up. Westbrook, according to this guy, Westbrook replied that it was heat on his knees, and the fan said, you're going to need it. He also said his girlfriend did not participate in the exchange. The Utah Jazz par- performed an investigation, basically determined Westbrook's side of the story is right. A lot of his teammates came out, came out in support of him, Raymond Felton, Thabo Cephalosha, uh, or sorry, Cephalosha's on the Jazz now, but a lot of players on both sides. Donovan Mitchell came yes. out in support of Westbrook as well. The Jazz have banned this fan not only from all Jazz games, but just from the arena in general, which is a great move on their part. So that, that's the whole backstory. But A necessary move. Yeah. So, I mean, more the, the question moving forward is really, like, what can the NBA do about disruptive fans like this? I mean... Is there, or is there anything short of just making an example of dumbasses like this guy? Yeah, this should just be the new standard. Throw yeah. their asses out for life. If they show any inclination of saying anything that's racist or derogatory or in any way, you know, crosses the line. That's it. Look, the players need to be protected too. I get that the whole, you know, narrative changed back after the, you know, the malice of the palace, where oh, we have to protect our fan base. Yeah, well, you also have to protect players. Players are people too, and this is we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like a lot of people forget that NBA players or athletes in general are human beings, (laughs) and you know they have families. They, I think, was it Raymond Felton who said. I think it was Raymond Felton. So many quotes came out. So yeah. I, I may be misremembering who. I think it was Raymond Felton who said, you know what? I've, I'm listening to a lot of this stuff. I'm a, I'm a dad. I have to go home to my family and, 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 and be a responsible father and a husband and all this. So getting all these words just thrown at me, like, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously. I mean, it, it just it frustrates the hell out of me that just how how dumb this is on, on yeah. just the most basic level. Like... When you say something that's racist, derogatory, or just you know plain out insulting, mm-hmm. like what did you expect? <laughs> right. That that's just like what do you think is going to happen? Do you think someone is going to crown your ass? Yeah. For for saying racist stuff, do you think you're going to get an award? Are the Utah Jazz going to stop the ball game and go, hey, you know, listen to this fan who just said a bunch of racist stuff. Let's give him a million dollars. Like right. what is? a positive outcome coming from that i just i I can't comprehend just how dumb it is yeah yeah i mean do you remember the dave chappelle skit when keeping it real goes wrong 
No, I do not. Okay, so back like when the Chappelle Show was still a thing in the early 2000s, there was a whole skit about that. And it, this reminds me, it's like when being a keyboard warrior goes wrong. Because that's what it is. Like, these people are, and, and you know, this guy's Twitter account, he deleted it very quickly, but not before people could start taking screen grabs of it. And he said similarly derogatory stuff about Russell Westbrook on social media, which immediately eviscerated his case of, oh, no, I was innocent here. Like, okay, sure, sure, guy. Uh, (laughs) But it's like, it's exactly what he was saying on Twitter behind a screen when no one could get to him. He said that to Russell Westbrook to his face, and clearly Russell Westbrook did not take kindly to it, and it led to this guy's ejection, as it should. I I mean, I do want to play devil's advocate here, because we'll get to James Dolan in a minute, but... Where do you think that line is? Because, like, I yeah. agree with you. If it's if it's racist, if it attacks a, per, a player or his family, whatever, I agree that's a clear line. But, like, if you're just saying, like, hey, Mike Muscala, you suck. You can't hit a three. You're a bum. Go to China. Do you think that... That was brought... very random. That was, that was... <laughs> it was not targeted at all. Uh, but... so, so I think, actually, that... I think that is kind of, I mean, I get it. People will say that stuff. I, I, you know, it's very subjective. I actually would not say stuff like that. You're a bum. Like, I, I would never say stuff like that. I think that is actually pretty insulting. Mm-hmm. Like, what I would I would say, like, let's say I was sitting there, and let's say I was a jazz fan, and I was trying to heckle Russell Westbrook. You know what I would be saying? If he had a bad shooting game, I would just go, hey, Russ, the, the basket is over there. Like, it's, <laughs> it's right over there. It's the, it's, the, it's the orange rim. The ball has to go through it, right? Like, stuff like that, because right. it's playful. Yeah. And I think if you keep it playful while still you know, trying to take in the ball game because that's the whole point. The whole point is actually having a good time. Like, right. let's not forget that this is the whole, you know, existence of the NBA, the whole reason for the for the existence of the NBA. And and the reason we're even sitting here discussing this league on a podcast and have been doing so for three years, Jesus, mm-hmm. three years, Brett, um, <laughs> is it's entertaining. And it's entertainment. We're discussing an entertainment business, and and that's what it is. And it needs to be fun. So if okay. you can have a positive, you know, exchange between fans and players, that would be tremendous. But you know, calling somebody a bum or you know talking crap about their families or their ethnicity or whatever, that's just it. Just rubs me the wrong way. I I mean, I have been to I don't know roughly ten or twelve, something like that. Ten ten or twelve. NBA games, and it's been wildly different, you know, experiences. I have experienced people, you know, yelling some of the most vile things I've ever heard when you're sitting up in just under the rafters. So mm-hmm. no, none of the players are really listening to it. They can't hear it because you right. just have one idiot who's yelling something. Right. And then I've had, you know, games where everything has been extremely pleasant, and I've seen Tracy McGrady just exchange, like, laughs and, and you know, you know, talk, you know, right. um, what do you call it? Trash talk, yeah. you know, with, with, with Bucks fans on the sideline while just, you know, cracking a smile. So it's, it's, it's really about the identity of the player, the mm-hmm. identity of the game as well. Like, where's the game going? Is the player frustrated? How is the game being officiated as well? <laughs> because if a guy feels that he's gotten a lot of non-calls, he may be frustrated at the end of the game, and and it may be very noticeable. And if someone says something in in the heat of the moment, that player might not be you know happy about it. Right. So it it comes down to just being a human being and understanding, like, hey, I'm talking to another human being. Let me have some common decency. Yeah. I mean, would you go into like a Starbucks? And go right. to someone, and if you get a bad, you know, bad cup of coffee, go back up to him and just yell out racial slurs. Right. Well, that that's my favorite thing is like I wish players could go into these fans' place of work, and then if they're doing a bad job, they could just return the favor. Like, oh, that would be nice, right? That that should be yeah. like a like a Jimmy Kimmel skit or something. That that should actually be a reality show. It would be, you know, the, the NBA's newest. Uh, what is it called? The, oh, the GM, GM school. GM school. There we go. Yeah. Oh my God, that was yeah. that's atrocious. Um, no, no comment. No comment. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, 
so so yeah it's it's very personal i think and it's it's some players have different lines mm-hmm. you know, where they where they or or different you know areas where they draw the line i think some players are just very very open-minded towards everything or just laughing stuff off right and then there are, there are some that are really sensitive and you know what we shouldn't be looking at the players who are sensitive and go hey you're wrong yeah like, no that's that's just his way of being a person and that's completely fine right like you know we talked about kevin durand i I think i don't remember if it was last episode or a couple episodes back Mm -hmm. but like people are just visually slamming his mentions every single day they're you know trash fire and it's just oh it's so it has to be so hard for him to just wake up every day to those kinds of things and then going to the arena and then hear the same things just in real life instead so we can't sit here as people and comment on how other players and other people are feeling. Like, that's their own. I can never tell you how to feel. Never. Mm-hmm. That is if, impossible. And a lot of NBA fans have just not gotten that memo yet. And that's a problem. Because they assume, oh, I said something racial, but Russell Westbrook is a hard-nosed guy. He won't right. mind. Right. What? What? Are you that dumb? Really? Like, what? Yeah. And and to be clear, I don't want to conflate this because I know there's been a tendency to do that, especially with Utah. Like, I don't want to make it seem like every Utah fan is racist or, like, says racist things toward players. Like, every single arena, you have bad apples. I don't care where you are. It's not just limited to Utah or Boston. It's like, I grew up in Philly, right? right? Like, I went to Phillies games and Sixers games and Eagles games as a kid. I learned a lot of curse words from those games. Like, especially Phillies games. I think every single player on the team in the mid-90s, someone, like, every inning called them trash, called them above, said they suck, whatever, and in some not not so uh, suitable for work terms. So, like, it, it for me, it's that perspective is like, this is just the environment I grew up in. Um, yeah. But I think there is a clear line, and, and I think it is, like, Really, when, you, when you're addressing players' families, when you're saying racial stuff, anything about their religion, just anything about their personal life really should be off limits. Like, limit, if you're not creative enough to come up with an insult about their on-court play or, like, about the situation surrounding them. Like, I think the Pacers, when they did the LeBron's going to trade you to Brandon Ingram, like, mm-hmm. that was legit funny. Yeah, and like that, that's fair because Ingram, that's in the new cycle. Right, and like Brandon Ingram, I'm sure he was like annoyed by it. But he has to like, if he could step back from that situation, he's got to admit that's pretty funny. And so like so, your your point from earlier, if Russ is having a bad shooting night, I would kill him with kindness. I would just be like, come on, yeah. Russ, keep shooting. <laughs> Great shot, man. Keep taking yeah. those threes. You're going to get it the next time. Like, yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a yeah. good way of doing it. Yeah, if you have to. Like, I, I, I don't understand, like, the point of heckling, really. Right. I just, I don't get into it, but I, I, that would be the way to go. So now you just said it shouldn't be anything personal. I agree with you, but where do we stand on heckling Kyrie's belief that you're his flat? <laughs> if it's something that stupid, that's probably fair game. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there are exceptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. Right, but n- nothing, yeah, just, yeah, right. If you have something completely out of left field, you do you do deserve to get called for it. But, you know, just, just leave the players' families out of it. Leave their race, yeah. religion, all that stuff. Like, just, it, it goes back to, you're right, we talked about this when we were talking about Adam Silver's comments from Sloan about, you know, players being unhappy. And it goes back to just, like, treat players with some semblance of human decency even if they're on the opposing team like it it doesn't matter i mean you could still create a home court advantage without slinking into being a racist piece of trash there's a there's a very wide spectrum between that and like you know still making life difficult for a player on the opposing team so do you do you think it was fair that russ got fined twenty five thousand? I mean, the NBA doesn't really have a choice. It's just the like the precedent of it. I mean, I get that, but it still felt yeah. wrong. Well, I saw that jazz fans apparently started a GoFundMe to to fund fund Russ's twenty five thousand fine. 
are you kidding that's yeah. awesome yeah yeah yeah. which is yeah i mean which is like kind of stupid because these guys are making hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> no 000. but like it's just yeah it's, it's, to a, prove it's a, a point it's a nice gesture for sure yeah and it's to prove a point like a lot of jazz fans are are you know saying that we're not all like this right and, right. and this is a way of demonstrating that i respect the hell out of that yeah and i think really the best way to go about this moving forward is like i understand if you're at a game and some drunken idiot is shouting boorish things and you're there with your kids you don't want to start anything like you know how this is going to escalate but it really does come down to like self-policing like arena staff can't be there can't be everywhere at once so if you notice it like just go talk to an usher and and you know like talk to pe- the people around you if this guy's really bothering you if this girl's really bothering you mate like get your group your section together Go talk to an usher. They will handle it appropriately. But yep. it, it does come down to, you know, we we all have to take responsibility for dumb people's actions. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to run free. Yeah. So basically, we, we agree that more bands are good. Yeah. Well, yep. so let's go into the other notable band from the past few days. Right. Right. <laughs> Context matters here. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> James Dolan, the owner of the yeah. Knicks, there is a video filmed the other, or a video came out the other day of a fan at Madison Square Garden as James Dolan is walking back through the tunnel. A fan yells out something like, hey, James, sell the team. Mm-hmm. And James gets very mad. And then the fan's just like, that's just my opinion. You should sell the team. That's basically all he said. He didn't curse at him. He didn't say anything racial or whatever. He just said... Sell the team. So it's sell the team, yeah. Dolan pulls the ushers aside, tells them to remove him from the stadium, and then he gives this interview on Tuesday on the radio where he called the confrontation an ambush and said the fans <laughs> sold the video to TMZ. He said the ban is only coming. So he, this fan is now banned from Asset Square Garden completely. And he said yeah. the ban is only coming from the fact that we have now learned that he planned it. They were stalking me. You can't do that in Madison Square Garden. You are not allowed to stalk the owner and then confront him like that. These particular guys had planned on making that video and selling it to TMZ. Is there proof of that? I, I don't care if there is or not. Right, but just like, yeah. you can't just throw stuff at the wall and right. But but yeah, no. It, look, I mean, what we were talking about before. That's under the assumption that we live in a logical world with logical people who <laughs> understands how to do their jobs. Right. Now we're talking about James Dolan, so we're in <laughs> fantasy land. Right. Right. I mean, the whole interview he gave yesterday was unhinged, but that yes. part in particular, where right? he was saying, like, he was going to invite the fan back to Madison Square Garden and take him back and meet the players and show him that the organization isn't as much of a clown show as it looks like from the front end. But then he 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 came to some realization or he learned somehow that this whole thing was a setup, according to him. So now the fan is banned for life. Yeah. Well, well good good luck. I mean, signing there, Katie and Kyrie or whatever. Right, right. I mean, that, look, this, I'm, I'm off the Knicks. I, I actually wrote a post for my Danish Patreon. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, it, it was kind of a letter to the Knicks about I'm giving you one last chance, <laughs> like just don't mess it up. Like right. I don't even know why I'm giving you this last chance. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm actively rooting at this point for them to just be as horrific as possible. And yeah. I understand the Knicks fans will will feel bad about that. And look, I'm I'm basically I'm basically doing this all against. Dolan instead, not right. not the Knicks fans. I right. I have so much so much sympathy for just the average New York fan who's like, the last time I was great, or, or last time the team was great, I was like in diapers. Like right. it doesn't even make sense. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like you said, it's a clown show. Yeah. That organization is is beyond embarrassing, and yeah. Dolan has no understanding. Like I I don't even know how many years he's been an owner now. Like twenty. Something along those lines. Yeah, I think like he's around there. never really gotten a hang of it. Never right. gotten a hang of it. And if he hasn't gotten it after twenty years, nothing's gonna change. He's, you know, he he is. I, you know, I want. I was gonna say he's by far the worst owner, but like you have Robert Sarver, <laughs> right? 
right. as well. Like there, we really have this issue in the NBA of bad ownership and how much they control the league in terms of the, you know their teams being bad consistently and how you can never build momentum. Like to Vivek Ranadive's credit, even though he was going to make some errors in the off season, mm-hmm. like you know you get a product and he took his hands off and like he made the Harrison Barnes trade with Vladi, which you know I, I get it. Like he wanted, he saw something develop and instead of just blowing it up, he was like, all right, let's add to it and see how far this thing could go. Mm-hmm. Which at least I'm, I appreciate and I respect, and it seems like he's at least gotten better. A little bit slower than I thought he would be, but he's getting it. Like, slowly but surely. Dolan is just, I don't know, a lunatic at this point. I think it's, it's fair to say he's just completely unhinged. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to use the Clippers as another example. Like, they were a running joke for decades under Donald right. Sterling. He gets removed because he's a disgusting racist. Steve yep. Ballmer takes over, and within, what, like three or four years, the Clippers look like one of the best-run franchises in the NBA. Yeah, that I mean, is amazing. Yeah, like we, we say it all the time that ownership is the greatest competitive advantage or disadvantage in the NBA. If you have a yeah. good owner who is willing to spend money well and, you know, put put money where his mouth is and, like, build up the team's front office staff, build up the facilities, build up the training staff, really treat players... At, you know, not just as disposable assets, but right. you know, as first rate. Like these are our most valuable pieces of this organization. Like we could do all we want, but if we don't have good players, we're still gonna suck on the court. We can have a great practice facility, but if we can't learn good players, it's just all for naught. So yep. it seems like clip the Clippers do that. You know, Mark Cuban's Mavericks have been known for doing that. You have to make your organization enticing now. The Knicks, to their credit, have Madison Square Garden. They have one of the biggest media markets in the United States. Like, they have a lot of things going in their favor. So for Dolan to have screwed this up so badly for his entire ownership, they've won one playoff series this century. Yeah. That's incredible. You'll never convince him of that. That's That's the problem. Right. Like, you can sit across... James Dolan, you know, a million people can sit, you know, in front of him and just tell him he's done a horrible job, and they can, you know, individually just go on and on and on about how that's been done, like just showing proof. Yeah, you won't convince him. Yeah, that's the problem, and that's where you are just. What is it like the the Dark Knight quote? Uh, <laughs> when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Dolan and the Knicks in a nutshell. Right. Like. And, and that's why I don't think, even, even if they get Durant and Kyrie Irving, right? Even yeah. if they get those two max guys, like, I have zero faith in that they're going to be good. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Lakers. Just getting LeBron James was not a magical 50-win panacea on its own. Like, you still have to hit moves on the fringes. And Right. I mean, the, the Knicks front office, to their credit, I think has done a better job in recent years with Steve Perry having taken over like it, it it seems like dolan is a little more hands-off than he was before maybe but i agree going into the summer i mean dolan on that interview yesterday all but said kevin duran is coming he, he, yeah you know he said like <laughs> we've heard from agents of prominent players and we can't say anything back but we've been told that players want to come play for new york and you didn't have to read between the lines to see who he was talking about so I'm with you, though. Like, I don't want any players to go to the Knicks. I don't want any star players to go to the Knicks while James Dolan is the owner. And it, as you said, it's not anything against Knicks fans. I feel like Knicks fans even understand this at this point. Like, they hate Dolan yeah. more than anyone. I would yeah. be shocked if there's a single Knicks fan out there that likes James Dolan. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, well, you'll if you scour Twitter, you'll find yeah, someone. Right, there's always here's someone. the th- Here's the thing that wonders me a little bit. So we know that that Durant is, and like we just talked about, like it's completely fair that he is more, you know, sensitive than others. Mm-hmm. If he goes to New York, he has to understand what he's getting himself into, like Ky- from the media perspective. Kyrie Irving and, too. Yeah, yeah, him too. Yeah, you're right. But like that's it. It just feels to me that if they sign there, they're doing so without understanding they're walking into a bear trap. 
I, yeah, I mean, that's why it's, like, so hilarious to imagine those guys, the two guys who have probably bristled with the media more than anyone this year, going into the New York media market on a team that has been so terrible. Now, maybe you could argue that the team has been so terrible that anything they do will be an upgrade, Yeah. but it won't take, like, if you bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving... And they fall even short of expectations. It will not take, maybe not Knicks fans, but the Knicks media will start, you know, stirring those that pot a little bit once they in fall. a New York minute. Right. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but I mean, it's just you have the owner as well. So basically, Kevin Durant has to already now, if he's contemplating going to the Knicks, prepare himself mentally to get so many questions asked about dolan oh yeah yeah because that's going to be a running theme i would i would think so i would hope so yeah I absolutely mean, one of my favorite things that i've seen on twitter in recent days andy bailey tweeted out the other day bottom five win percentages in the nba over the last six seasons the sixers were 27th and they actively threw away three seasons right the knicks were 29th and the lakers were 30th now, the Lakers just got LeBron James, and it seems like the Knicks are going to get Kevin Durant. But, I, I mean, it, it, so it goes to show you that, like, Lakers and Knicks exceptionalism actually works because they have the huge media markets working in their favor. But yeah, I am I'm very excited to see this train wreck unfold. It, it, it certainly seems to be a train wreck. Like, so so it's, it's a double-sided thing for me because, on one hand, if the Knicks do become good under Durant and Kyrie assuming they sign there. Mm-hmm. Like I, I will actually, on behalf of Knicks fans, enjoy it. Like, sure. Because if they find some level of happiness in that, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. But personally, I would absolutely hate it because it's so not earned. Yeah. Not for, for, for the franchise, but for Dolan specifically. I don't. Right. Maybe that's the way to, to word it properly. Like It's Dolan. It's yeah. strictly Dolan. I don't think he deserves a damn thing. Like I, What he deserves is a bunch of G League players... <laughs> To, to basically fill out the roster. Right. He deserves the process Sixers in perpetuity with no yes. long-term plan. Exactly. Or terrible lottery luck. Yes. I agree. All right. Good. So let's move on to the other team that has been in the bottom five in terms of win percentage over the last six years. The Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we have talked a lot about them, but they had some unfortunate news over the weekend. Two of their young prospects are being shut down for the year uh let's start with brandon ingram who i want to make it clear right off the bat brandon ingram getting shut down because of this dvt is not a tanking move i know a lot of people were joking about that right away when when the news came out a dvt could be fatal like this is not a laughing matter it's it's frankly a great sign that the lakers medical staff caught it while it was still in his arm and hopefully did not get into his lung yet and turn into a pulmonary embolism. But it's still really scary. Um, They haven't released any long-term, like, full details about what's going to happen to him moving forward. But I talked to my wife about it right when it came out. And basically, as long as they did catch it uh, early enough, he'll be on blood thinners for the next few months. But he should be able to come off of them eventually. If he is on blood thinners, he cannot play basketball. This is the same issue that Chris Bosh ran into a couple years right. ago when he had his clotting issues. Basically, if you get bruised, like, basketball is too physical. And if you get bruised, you're going to bleed internally and probably bleed out. So you, it's just too risky. No team will allow you to play on a blood thinner. If Ingram gets a second DVT, he will likely have to be on blood thinners for life. Yeah. Which is, again, the same thing Chris Bosh ran into, and that's why his career ended prematurely. So... Before we dive into every any analysis of Ingram, I I first just want to say like prayers up for the guy. I you know I think uh, everyone, hopefully everyone listening and both of us are rooting for him to get healthy and stay healthy and yeah. have no more issues because that's scary, man. That's really scary. So not a tanking move. Um, not a tanking move, and I also I, I'm actually going to be refraining from from analyzing his game. I he he. Let me just put it this way. You know, he certainly took a lot of leaps forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, he's missing a few things, but I, I don't want to focus at all 
on on what he's missing in his game because right now there are just so more so much more pressing matters. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just say as much. I hope to watch him back on the court as soon as possible and for many many years to come. Agreed. See, I was gonna go positive with this. I was gonna say yeah. before he went down, like from mid January until he's you know he suffered the arm injury and then they found the DBT a couple days later. He was showing some really promising strides. Like, yep. he had taken a big step forward over that last month and a half. I know, like, Andrew Wiggins, Brandon Brandon Ingram comparisons were becoming the new thing early in the season, but I'm much higher on Brandon Ingram long-term than I am on Andrew Wiggins. Well, I mean, yes, obviously. I mean, <laughs> Ingram, like, we've, we've talked about... I'm going to be repeating myself so much again but with regards to Ingram. Like, I, I think you and I agree that he does project as a future all-star mm-hmm. on some level. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's Wiggins' ceiling at this point? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I I think he's hit it. <laughs> Has he not? Yeah, right? I think, yeah. I mean, after, what, 12,000, 14,000 career minutes, I don't think it's going to be significantly better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's such a hard loss just for, for not just for the Lakers, but... You know, for, for Ingram as well, because if the one thing you can never doubt about Brandon Ingram, everything I've read about him over the years is like he is just in love with the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Just in love with it. Like, he's a hard worker and he's a student of the game. Like having this, just this risk standing in front of him, yeah. you know, where, where he's right now not doesn't, where he right now doesn't know whether he's going to be able to play basketball as a job again, mm-hmm. ever. Because, you know, let's be honest, we don't know yet. And he doesn't know, like, nobody knows yet. Right. That has to be extremely terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And especially coming off, like like you just said, the best stretch of his career. Like, finally, you know, figuring something out. Yeah. Yeah, he shot, I mean, he averaged, like, 22.5 points, shot almost 56% overall, more than 40% from three. 75% from the line. Gets to the line a ton. Yeah, as like, well. He yeah. was he was really really coming into his own. Um I do it, it's gross to even consider this, but unfortunately like the Lakers in particular have to. He was a big part of the Anthony Davis trade talks going into the deadline, depending on who you believe. If mm. Genie Bus would beg to differ. Do you think how do you think this affects his trade value? I saw. I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm not even gonna go into that. I think it's that's so harsh. I, you know? I know, but it's like they. This is gonna be a theme this summer because it the is. Pelicans. Oh God damn it! Like the yeah. Pelicans are going to shop Anthony Davis. That if the the Lakers like one of the primary things they could dangle was Brandon Ingram, yeah. but You're you know, right. like I saw Brian Geltziler on Twitter, hoops critic, say he didn't think it was gonna affect his trade value at all. I think that's absurd. Like I don't think of course. the Pelicans can't be sure that he's a you know like he was supposed to be one of their building blocks. Like that was the whole Lakers pitch. Is like you'll get Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma and all these guys have a lot of upside and they can develop and they'll be with you for a long time. This whole TBT thing, it's like yeah, any player yep. can suffer a career-threatening or career-ending injury at any time. But like this, this increases the risk of that. If you're the Pelicans, this whole situation. So of course, I, I think it. You know the the Lakers offer right now looks worse than it did a month ago, which significantly. Sucks. Yeah, it, like it's, no Subach either. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and like it sucks that it's gross to again. It's gross to think about. Like I, you know, again, we're we really are just focusing on the kid's health and hope he gets healthy first and foremost. But four months down the line, this is going to be a topic. Three months down the line, even. Two yeah. months. Yeah. Once we hit the draft lottery, like this. No, is... this is a LeBron-led team, so this will not go away. This won't be in a month. This is now, yeah. and will be a theme until something happens. Because, look, how much did we talk about the Lakers before LeBron arrived? <laughs> not as much as we do now. Right. We tried not right. to because yeah. it was usually Voldemort field. That's true. Yeah. But thing is, like he's. That, that's the thing with LeBron. He drives the narrative, and when he's on a roster, that team is going to get overexposed yeah. to a perverse degree. I've actually I've actually enjoyed not hearing a whole lot about the Cavs 
this year. Oh yeah, like, I, I, they're rebuilding and all that. That's fine, but I've just, you know, it just got to the point where just oh god, not another Cavs article or a Cavs podcast or like whatever, right? Right. Just and now it's just Lakers, Lakers, Lakers all the time. Which I, I kind of feel bad for not kind of I feel genuinely bad for Brandon Ingram because now because of LeBron's presence, now his injury. Uh, or, or illness is going to be put under a magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be so daily, and you're you're going to have people like ask him a ton of questions. Well, you know, when he's actually trying to figure out what's going to happen with his with his career. I mean, jeez. Right. <laughs> um, but you're, I mean, you're not wrong. That trade offer is certainly going to be affected. Um, yeah. And who knows? It may be a blessing in disguise. Let's assume that. Let's hope at least that everything is going to end up well mm-hmm. with Brandon Ingram. Yep. And let's say because of all this, he remains a Laker, and maybe that is enough for him to find the motivation to say, "Well, now I'm going to prove the king wrong." Yeah. And if he wants to trade me for Anthony Davis, I'm going to prove something. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna that that dumb Dane on the podcast who said several times that I'm only only going to be a two time All Star. I'm going to prove <laughs> him wrong too. Right. You know. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that's the case. And there was an argument, I think, at least, I want to say Kevin Pelton argued this, that tra- you could argue that trading their entire core for Anthony Davis doesn't make a whole lot of sense if they are 100% certain he is going to sign there as a free agent in 2020. Now it forces you most likely to punt on your cap space this year, roll back yes. the whole same idea of like signing players to one-year deals, you're, there's a non-zero chance you waste another LeBron James prime season. But at the same time, if you can get Anthony Davis in 2020 and you can pair him with a Brandon Ingram and Alonzo Ball and a Kyle Kuzma and all of those guys continue to develop on the same trajectory, maybe that's the best thing for this franchise long-term. Yeah. Because LeBron's turning 35 in December. He does not factor into their long-term plans. He just <laughs> was supposed to restore them to their previous heights and maybe he will next year. But... I don't care about the clutch sports ankle. I think they should look into trading him. I maintain that. Yep, 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 yep. So let's also, Lonzo Ball is the other one. He's been out since, I think, late January with this ankle sprain. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bone bruise involved too, which delayed his recovery. They haven't officially declared him out for the season, but ESPN reported the same day of the Ingram stuff that Ball is also not expected to return this year. So I think his is a little more tricky because statistically he took a step back this year. Uh, He became slightly more efficient as a shooter, but not Mm -hmm. to the extent that you would hope. He still only shot 40.6% overall, 32.9% from three. Shot a horrendous 41.7% from the free throw line, only drew one free throw attempt per game. Mm -hmm. His stats were always going to cut cut a little bit because he was playing next to LeBron James who likes playing with the ball in his hands and he had to share minutes with Rajon Rondo but where are you on Lonzo moving forward so every time I show any you know sign of doubt regarding Lonzo uh, I get you know (laughs) I get my mentions filled up (laughs) and not by Lakers fans there there's a lot of belief in this kid and I get it from a defensive perspective like, mm-hmm. And from a rebounding perspective as well. Like, he genuinely is a a guy who can come in and average a, a lot of rebounds. We already we saw that in this rookie season, like almost seven from the point guard position. And who theoretically, when he grows into his body and becomes, you know, more experienced, could, could lead the league in assists. I mean, let's be frank. And defensively, he's a game changer. That's all nice and well. But you also need to have an offensive game that you can rely upon, you know, year at year in and year out. And to me, the, the offensive game, the scoring game is just, it's so far away that I have to question whether he's ever going to reach that ridiculous potential that he had coming into the league. Mm. I mean, had he been, you know, just, just a little bit better percentage wise all around, like gotten to the line a little bit more, been able to just knock down open shots at a higher rate, Mm-hmm. Like that would that would have just comforted me a little bit more, but now I'm I'm very worried about his offensive development. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's bad at most of the 
important stuff, like getting to the free throw line and converting when you get there, like free point shooting, you know, it's just, it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like, I don't think he ever hits his ceiling next to LeBron James. I'm not giving up on the kid entirely, but. Right. Right. I, and by the way, I didn't say I was giving up on him. Right. Just no, to no, clarify. no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it is hard to see him being maximized along another Super Bowl dominant guy in LeBron. And for the love of God, if they resign Rajon Rondo this summer, they deserve to go 0 82. I don't care how good of a locker room <laughs> leader he is. No, no, gonna... no, no. They are playing the Knicks twice. Oh, so... okay. Fine. 2 yeah. and 80. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the Knicks are going to have KD and Kyrie. So, 0 82 it is. <laughs> but, like, look, I get it. R- Rondo is a great locker room guy. He's good with the young kids, apparently, if, if the his time with the Bulls and the Pelicans was any indication. But you don't need two of that archetype on your team, especially when you have Lonzo and LeBron already. Like, I get it. You need a third point guard or a third ball handler in case of injuries, but preferably one who can actually shoot a three-pointer and command right. some sort of respect and draw people out of the lane. Like, this this whole team-building disaster for the Lakers this year. I, I mean, I, I'm writing something for Fansi that goes up in a couple weeks on the biggest disappointments of the season. And I was initially going to put the Lakers... But I thought, like, that's not totally fair because they just got, you know, LeBron was out for a while. Ingram's yeah. now been out. Ball's been out for a while. Rondo missed that time. So now instead of picking Magic and Palenka as the biggest disappointment of the season. Because it was not hard to see this coming. Like, yeah. even, even in July, we you know, they signed LeBron. We're like, oh, crap. And then they signed Rondo and Stevenson and Beasley and McGee. And we were all like, what are you doing? Yeah, I re- <laughs> I remember a podcast episode. We were actually recording uh, a reaction pod to some of the Lakers signings, and I remember we we were laughing so hard initially that we actually had to redo the opening <laughs> because right. it just made zero sense. Like you got LeBron James, and then you just filled him up with the weirdest supporting cast you could ever imagine, and the Lakers were like, "Yeah, this is gonna work." They were yeah. so confident; it was just right. hilarious. They're like, yes, this is actually our play. There was a literal ESPN story from Ramona and Shelburne and Brian Windhorst that I had to like go find the other day to write this this slide for this this fan-sided piece because i was like this was not a figment of my imagination a literal article from these two saying like yep this plan looks crazy but this was palenka and johnson's vision they sold lebron on it while they pitched him in free agency they conferred with him as they made these moves he signed off and they signed all these players then how bad were the other pitches if that's the one that wins you over see i i it goes back to he doesn't care about basketball anymore. He just wants to make Space Jam, man. He just wants yeah. to make Space Jam 2 and have a great budding entertainment empire. And I don't blame him because he could see, like, we we talked about it last episode. He retires today. He's the second greatest player of all time. He's not catching MJ for number one, especially now. So can I just ask, though? I, I've seen the Space Jam argument so many times, but, like, Mike did it while, you, you know, he was still playing for the Bulls. Yeah. Like, he was just in L.A. for the summer. Did LeBron really have to sign with the Lakers to make Space Jam? <laughs> well, his, he's got a much larger entertainment empire, and, it's like, his family wants to live in L.A. I don't blame him. That's fine. No, that's like, fine. I, I don't mind that either. most that's of fine. your time, most of your life in Cleveland, and my family's from Cleveland, so I could say this, but, like, Cleveland weather sucks in the winter. And Philly weather sucks in the winter. Like, I don't blame... Yeah, I'm, I'm actually LA, planning a... I'm planning a U.S. trip, and I'm, I'm about to ask Joe Keem if I should take a vacation in Cleveland. <laughs> no. Well, it depends what time of year. Like, I wouldn't even tell you to go to Chicago right now, and I love Chicago, but Chicago sucks until mid-May, and that's the greatest city in the U.S. It's actually between San Francisco and L.A. right now. Okay. Maybe, maybe I got get convinced to go the non-U.S. route and go to some insanely warm place in in uh the south of europe instead i don't know oh, nice. i'm still figuring out it's a solo trip actually oh okay yeah it's a solo trip wow yeah so i'm thinking i'm just gonna go someplace where i can just you know eat and get tan that's about it well i was gonna say nashville you can eat not not so much get tan well i mean that's actually an interesting part we we we, we should meet up into a pod there you go 
Oh yeah, one pod like you when you were here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's turn away from the Lakers. Hopefully, that's the last time we have well, to discuss actually, them. Oh, okay. Well, actually, one last thing yep. because I just had a, a quirky thought here. Okay. So we just spoke about uh, Andrew Wiggins before in 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 terms of comparing him to Brandon Ingram, right? Yeah. If you merged Lonzo Ball and Andrew Wiggins, you would actually get something that looks like a very decent NBA player, because. The only thing Wiggins can do is really put the ball in the basket, which is right. what Ball can't do. Right. But when you look at Wiggins, like he's always ending up with like three rebounds and three assists. Yeah. But Ball, <laughs> the point guard <laughs> position, like seven and seven. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would love that. Just merge. Like, find right. something. Find a weird machine. Just merge. I don't. I'm not sure how the contract <laughs> would work, but I think then you get Ben Simmons. Oh. <laughs> oh. Because that that player that one. Wandrew Ballinger, whatever. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But the merger of Lonzo and Wiggins still can't shoot worth a lick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But and, and 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 hit three throws because Lonzo would draw back that that right. three throw percentage from Wiggins. Yeah. But he's tall, a good playmaker, good defensively. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. Ben Simmons. There we go. That's true. Okay. Well, we, two two Ben Simmons in the NBA. I can I can go with that. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that means the Lakers couldn't steal one in a couple of years. It'd make me happy. Oh, <laughs> I'm signing with Clutch Sports. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's turn now to the Houston Rockets, who they had a really rough start to the season. They survived a bunch of injuries. Chris Paul, Clint Capella, most notably. They've mm. won nine straight games. They're only three and a half games back of the Warriors right now. They look like yeah. they are going to cruise comfortably to the three seed. Eric Gordon in uh, Mark Stein's weekly newsletter that comes out Tuesday, he said he really believes that there is no other team but us that can really have a chance against the Warriors. How are you feeling about the Rockets right now? Do you think they are a legit threat? Do you think like they're the biggest threat to the Warriors in the West? Oh my, he shouldn't have said that though. That's just, you know, that's that's the kind of quote that ends up on whiteboards. <laughs> right. Especially going into a game tonight against the Warriors, who have been failing yeah. somewhat as of late. But I was thinking more like Denver or other teams like they would just they would take that gordon quote and they oh, put it on yeah, the whiteboard yeah, yeah. and just circle it seven times like let's not let's not make this happen mm-hmm. uh but but i mean it's interesting because you know i, I kind of get why gordon is saying this because right now he's feeling himself he had a horrible start to the season mm-hmm. horrible start and he's found his legs and he's found some of his shooting rhythm back he's still not what he was last year but it's getting drastically better and I, I think he's feeling the mojo. Remember when he said early in the season that like, he was like, he didn't, it, it wasn't fun anymore? Yeah. Seems like they're having a little bit more fun now. Yeah. Winning cures everything. Yeah. Everything. Uh, and look, getting Harden some help, it's not a moment <laughs> too soon, man. Right. 36 a game, seven and a half assists, six and a half rebounds. I mean, he's just ridiculous at this point. Just ridiculous. Um, whether they're the second team. I I don't know. I'm really like last year, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I I don't feel I don't have a strong feeling this year about any team being like the clear cut number two. Yeah, it could be Houston. It could be Denver. I mean, it could be OKC. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's just so many options that technically like it could be Utah. I don't right. think so, but it could be. Like, right. you have so many options. I I'm not looking at Houston as being like cemented as the second best team in the West. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they are rounding into form at the right time. They look like they could be a legit threat. I think a Denver-Houston second-round series, if that came to pass, would be... You know, we're focused on, like, the Eastern Conference semifinals as being probably the most entertaining round of the playoffs. I think Denver-Houston, a seven-round series of that... yeah. That could be be fun. Yeah, that would be super fun. Um... Yeah, like, do I think they're... I, I do not think they are the only team that has a chance against them. If right. that, you know, with Gordon saying that, I don't think that's true at all. I think the Bucks and the Raptors in particular will have a real shot against them. I think the Celtics, if they could just get out of their own heads, would still have a shot against them. 
Oh, he didn't say Western Conference only. I thought he said Western. No, I thought it was. A- no. Oh, oh, okay. He said there's oh, no he meant the whole league. Us. Yeah. Oh, now that just makes it worse. Yeah. Eric, shut up, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's not gonna. Whatever. If if the Rockets beat the Warriors, then whoever they face in the finals. Oh. And bulletin board material there doesn't matter as that's much. That's just that's suicide, man. Come on. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he said we're peaking at the right time. I think they're right there with that. We're we're right yeah. there with them in, in reference to the Warriors. Like, look, since February first, they have the third best net rating in the league. Their defense has been rounding into form actually pretty well lately too. Like mm-hmm. they absolutely train wrecked the Sixers on Friday. I I stopped watching that game, I think, by the end of the first quarter. I was just like, nope. This is just awful. <laughs> I know exactly what's going to happen here. There is no point in watching this for the next two hours. Yeah. It was, I mean, they, they were just getting whatever they wanted on both ends of the court. It was brutal. Like, I, but part, part of it is also just them getting acclimated with one another. They yeah. had a lot of moves. Yep. They, they brought in Austin Rivers, and then they had all the injuries. Nobody really gelled. Yep. Kenneth Reed came in and had to play a ton of minutes. Yeah. There was the Carmelo saga <laughs> in the early part of the season. Right. Like Daniel House, you yeah. know, coming in and out and now he's in again, thankfully. Yep. Like there's like twenty two different players have have suited up for him this year. It's wild. Yeah. So I get it. Like that takes time to gel. Right. Absolutely it does. Yeah. I, like, I still have my concerns about them going into the playoffs, particularly mm. Harden running out of steam. You know, he's, yeah. he's played, yeah. or he's averaging 37.3 minutes. He's played in a majority of their games. I hope once they're seeding, if they are in a position where their seeding is somewhat solidified on either side, I hope they do buy him a game or two of rest down the stretch. Cause, oh, more. More yeah. like, look, if they position themselves well, I even if they don't, man, I would give him the last five games of the regular season off. Yeah. I don't care what happens, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, I guess if there's like one matchup they're really trying to either avoid or draw, but yeah, like, but you see, I would rather go into like a less preferable, less preferable opponent. Right. With a healthy Harden, right, right, than right. going in with the preferable uh, opponent and and having like he <laughs> washed up Harden, it's just like, yep, I can't even think straight. I'm so tired. <laughs> right, right. I mean, working in their favor, according to Tankathon, they have the tenth easiest schedule moving forward. Uh, of the playoff contenders in the West, only Utah, the Clippers, and San Antonio are easier, and all three of those teams are far enough behind that I don't think they need to worry about them. Uh, right. OKC is the third hardest moving forward, and where is Port- Portland is right in the middle. So yeah, I, I oh th- Portland, I forgot about Portland. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I think they'll finish as the three. If they get the two, that's great. But I really I'm with you. I don't think seating or matchups matter all that much. I think whichever team they face in the first round, other than if OKC slips down. I think they would be pretty clear favorites over any team. I think Houston, Utah would be one to ideally avoid. I think, like, with all due respect to the Spurs, I, I feel like that's the one you're probably targeting of any Western Conference playoff team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a trickly, tricky juggling act because at the same time, Harden is right in the mix for MVP, too. And, like, you know, he might want to have one final salvo to swing voters, you know, as if if 36 points per game aren't enough to do it, maybe he wants to go out and just, like, go bananas for those last five games. So it's going to be, I think Mike D'Antoni is going to have a tough time. drain himself yeah, entirely for the I playoffs. Know. I mean, his minutes have been slightly down over the last few games, which is a good sign. By slightly, I mean, like, 32, 34, 35 instead of 38, 39. So, hopefully they just keep blowing teams out like they did the Sixers. You got 32 minutes against the Sixers because they were dead in the water after the first quarter. So, if they do that, then they'll buy them some rest already. But, yeah, I think they should be at least eyeing a few opportunities 
to get him some rest, even if it costs him the MVP. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go chasing, you know, MVPs or personal accolades right now. Right. I, I just, I, I get, I and look, I'm saying that because you know I'm a fat guy sitting in front of a computer, so <laughs> I, I mean, if I was out playing and averaging 36 a game, I might have it be inclined to think differently right but my point is like harden seems to be more wired towards the championship now after he yeah. won the mvp last year i think he it seems like he's just more in in every interview he has right now it's like it's very keyed in on you know playoffs yeah. success yeah. and and so i think for his sake it just would be so much better to to just give him an opportunity to rest heal up and just be ready so he can come in and do exactly what he's doing right now but in a playoffs context for sure. Like, he won MVP last year, and what did that get him? Yeah, exactly. Besides, Giannis is going to take it, so <laughs> right. not really worried. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Like, at, they play the Warriors today, then they play Phoenix on Friday. That's a clear, 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 clear. He should not play that game. They mm-hmm. have a back-to-back next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, against Atlanta or, and Memphis. Sit him one of those two, probably against Memphis. Yeah. And then they play the Knicks on April 5th. And <laughs> Knicks on April 5th, and then the Suns on April 7th. Those are two of their final three games. The Knicks is not nationally televised. None of those three games yeah. are nationally televised. Uh, the Phoenix April 7th game is on NBA TV. So you could very yeah. easily... There's there's no reason you should be playing in no. any of those. No, no, none whatsoever. I mean, just, just give those minutes to Eric Gordon instead. And, yeah. and, and to CP... I yeah. mean, who, who needs to get reacclimated as well? He was out for a long while. Right. Um, uh, how concerned are you about that contract, though? Oh, I mean, <laughs> we've been concerned about it since the minute he put pen to paper. Yeah, but has your concern increased? Because mine has a little bit. Not not to the point where I'm ready to go out and write, like, a a huge piece on it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it shouldn't get much worse, right? If it does, then we're kind of in in tough waters with it i just don't know what the rockets had no choice it's the same thing that's going to happen with the sixers and jimmy butler this summer yeah it is isn't it probably i mean maybe the sixers let jimmy walk but like you know once you trade for this guy knowing he's coming up for a contract the next year you have telegraphed your intention chris paul was right to like make put you know he he and his agent knew they had the Rockets over a barrel, and they were right to take advantage of it. It's smart. Oh, for sure. Like, for Chris, like, go get your money. Yeah. That's not it. It's just, you know, right. as an organization, you just need to to think differently, right? But yeah. I, I get it. Like, if they had if they low-balled him, he would have gone elsewhere. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, like, to their credit, they have, they were, they've been savvy around the margins this year, even though, yeah. like, the whole goal has to, been to skirt the luxury tax, which is why Trevor Ariza is not there. And you know why they tried these low, uh, low upside, I guess low upside, low risk signings with MCW and Carmelo, uh, but like as you said, bringing in Kenneth Fareed, bringing in Austin Rivers, like those guys have been valuable contributors, and they got them for very right. cheap. So if they, I despite th- them not being Mori Ball players, right? Really? Yeah. 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 So I don't know if they're going to be able to continue. That delicate dance of avoiding the tax and mm. still managing to bring in... I mean, like, it's very rare to find buyout guys who are that good or at least, like, that valuable to your rotation. They can't right. bank on that every year. But for this year, it's working. Um, I'm excited. I think Houston's going to add some juice to that Western Conference playoff mix. I know we all just think the Warriors are going to steamroll everyone, which is... Probably true, but the other matchups will be fun to watch at least. Well, well, yeah. I mean, they definitely look flimsy lately, and it's not just the flimsiness, but it was the Sam Amick report about how the the Warriors are actually wondering why Durant seems to be, you know, constantly. I I don't remember the word he was he was used, but like he wasn't like giddy and positive about his situation, mm. and and Amick pointed out like. That, that the Warriors felt like, you know, you're just coming off two championships. You're coming off two finals MVPs. Mm-hmm. We're getting you the green light, and you're, you're 
you know, you're just not in it. You're not satisfied. You're not happy. Like everything seems to be very negative oriented, mm-hmm. which again, we talked about KD and how he is a complex personality, which again is, is fine. But I also understand that that can have some ramifications for a team, the right. chemistry right. and just the structure of the organization, frankly. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems that you're maybe running a little bit out of juice and energy and, and trying to figure out like what, what does the future hold? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which is unfortunate because I really wanted to see this team. I know that you know a lot of NBA fans are just waiting for the day to this team to implode. But right. I mean, it's it's rare we see you know dynasties to this effect. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind seeing this continue for like a handful of years at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the one good thing if Kevin Durant does leave and or whatever, if Clay Thompson's not going to leave, but. If Draymond Green leaves in a year, Draymond Green, who just signed with Clutch Sports, yeah. if they break apart, I, I do think the Warriors have kind of changed our mindset of like what it takes to build a championship team. And I think because of them, there really have been only a few legitimate contenders every year, like three or four at most. And I yeah. think if Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors this summer... That's gonna open the open it up a little bit. There's there's still not it's not like every team, it's not gonna be like the NFL where like you replace half the playoff teams every year, like any team yeah. can come out of nowhere, win the title. Like that's not true. But I do think we'll have a much wider scope of like, you know, if Durant's in New York, you could talk me right now into any of the top five teams in the East if they retain their key pieces, any of them could be legit championship contenders. I think like any of the top four, five, six in the West, probably depending on the moves yeah. they make. The Clippers, if they get Kawhi, they could be championship contenders. Like I think it it will add much more intrigue to the regular season than we've had in years past, which will just be good for the game of basketball. But I agree with you. Like I I do hope. I know we've all gotten Warriors fatigue over the last couple of years, just as we had yeah. LeBron James Cavs fatigue, and we don't want to see LeBron James versus the warriors in the finals again but luckily that won't happen yeah, uh, that won't. <laughs> but like we should really take time to enjoy this because you're right this is the best dynasty we've seen in basketball if not since the the kobe shack lakers definitely like since the jordan led bulls Spurs, probably uh, yeah. yeah but like they they never went back to back right like their greatness was just so spread out over time yeah you're right. That it's a it's a different type of I mean, you're right. Like they're the best dynasty of the last twenty years. They're like the New England Patriots in the sense that like they just kept effing winning no matter what they did. But like right. the Lakers had such concentrated greatness in the early two thousands and then Jordan's Bulls yeah, they... were just <laughs> that I mean Right, you know, right. They, like double double tree three peed and right. like then the Lakers three peed. Yeah, right. absolutely. And yeah. they made it to the finals in two thousand four. Like the Warriors, realistically, if Draymond doesn't kick LeBron in the nuts, they're going for a five peat right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's true though. It, it is. It is. By the way, what do you do with Draymond? I know we're getting a little bit off topic here. What do you yeah. do with Draymond? If if KD leaves, like when he's a free agent, do you max out Draymond? Because I I'm not there. Well, he's not a free agent until 2020. So I know, have, like next yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Oof. <laughs> no, I don't think you can. No. Yeah. I, I, not I a say five more. year. Not or a five. even four for me. But yeah. I, I mean, I'm just seeing so many people go. Oh, you know, now that KD is, you know, looks like he's leaving, that should free up the money for. Golden State to just re-sign Draymond to whatever money he wants. And I'm like, what? I mean, they have the money either way. They'll pay an enormous luxury tax bill, but Kevin Durant has no impact on their ability to retain Draymond Green. It's just like... No, that's also true. Yeah. But just the general aspect of, well, just not having that contract on on the books just helps the financial flexibility a little bit. Yeah. My point is just regardless... Just mm-hmm. don't go that route with yeah. the maxing Draymond. <laughs> I know. I I bet when they found out he signed with Clutch Sports, they were all just like, "Oh God, yeah, this, this does not bode well for our long term future." It wouldn't totally yeah. shock me if they ended up shopping him this summer. Oh, I I think they are. 
Yeah. I think they will. Absolutely. Yeah. The clutch sports thing, I think that is going to be a toxic thing for many, many executives. Yeah. I hope it is. It should be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I say this with with Ben Simmons being a clutch sports candidate. That's or a client. It scares me. It's Yeah. I, I mean, Let's burn it with fire immediately. Yeah, yeah. like I, I still fully expect... I know he came out the other day and said he plans to be in Philly for a long time, but like until he puts pen to paper on a five-year max rookie extension, I don't believe it. Yeah. Nope, I'm right there with you. Yeah. It, it's an interesting question. We'll definitely talk about Draymond's future a lot in the summer, I'm sure, once we see how this season shakes out and how free agency shakes out, but... Yeah, the Warriors definitely have some, like, looming long-term problems, which, again, is why we should genuinely appreciate what they're going to do this year. And I want to see Boogie get a ring, so there's that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is one of the things I want to see most Yeah. happen for, for this playoffs. Just yeah. Boogie getting a ring and just <laughs> pissing off everyone. Right, like, I, I don't want Andrew Bogut to get another ring, and so the Andrew Bogut side of kind of, like, is the inverse oh. for Boogie, but I'll, I'll live if, if Boogie's an NBA champion. Even if he plays like 10 minutes off the bench, I don't care. I just want to see matter. Him, yeah. I just want to see him stunt on everyone who was like, y'all could have had me. I was I signed for $5 million for one year. This is all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Lakers will give him a five-year max. Oh, or the Knicks. Right, right. Whatever. Which they literally can't do, but yeah. Uh, all right, well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. We will be back sometime early next week, most likely. The NCAA tournament is coming up, so we are going to have a whole episode devoted to the prospects that you need to watch in terms of NBA potential. It's not just the Duke kids, spoiler alert, because John Morant is also in the tournament. What are you telling me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a Bulls fan, you're right. It is just the Duke kids, but it's also John Morant. And then after that, I don't know. Jared Culver, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Jared Culver, man. Yeah. yeah. So we will, we will, if you haven't been paying the college attention to college basketball at all, like me, this will be a good episode for you coming up. Until then, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Good luck on choosing your U.S. destination. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'll uh, I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I need to. I actually need to to leave the country within. Uh, that sounded wrong. I need to leave the country, but no. <laughs> uh, I, it, it has to like be within the next couple weeks, I think. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, it's just been. I haven't really been away for a for a long time, and. Uh, the the my 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 son the number number two son the unborn son mm-hmm. uh, is coming in July so uh, if I need to get a vacation and it's gonna be has to be now <laughs> now or never yep now or never and and my wife can't fly right now so yeah I, I'm gonna figure something out for sure and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know what happens for good. sure good yeah keep us posted definitely all right take it easy you too man.